Colossians chapter 3. If you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the encouragement we have to do these things. And we pray that you would bless us to see the relationship between doing these things and bearing fruit that you rejoice in and that you are glorified in. We pray that you bless us this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we talked about how that this whole context of what Paul says in chapter 3, the first few verses, is within his context of us desiring fruit. And he is praying that we would have fruit abounding on our part and that we would grow more and more in that fruit bearing. And I want to say just a few things about the fruit again before we actually get to Galatians chapter 3, the first few verses. Obviously, the fruit that we're wanting to bear is not doesn't have very much to do with carnal joys. It's not how much money we have in the bank account. It's not how much education we have. It's not how many promotions we get at work. But these are spiritual fruit that are present in our lives that transcend the ability of earthly things to produce. And so when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, he describes them uh, as things like this in verse 22, Galatians 5:22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, um, meekness, temperance or self-control against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So that points out another thing that I wanted to stress briefly, is that these are things that are produced by the Spirit. Now, the fact that they're produced by the Spirit, we're going to have to say some things about that in just a few moments, but... These are definitely fruits of the Spirit. They're not something that our flesh can produce, no matter how strong-willed we are. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul encourages us to not let filthiness, Ephesians 5, 4, or foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient, be rather giving of, but rather giving of thanks. In other words, don't let these other things be named among us at all. And then he says this, for this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. A person that's characterized by those fleshly attributes does not have a part in the kingdom of God. And we need to not be deceived by that. So the Spirit produces these fruit that we just read about. Uh, in Galatians 5, and Jesus has told us things like, apart from him we cannot bear fruit, but in him we do bear fruit. So that's the goal that 
Paul is laying out for us as we approach Galatians chapter 3. And uh, we've used some uh, analogies here of us being vines and trees. Now, just bear with me a minute. We're living trees. If you had to say what what, what characteristics define when something is alive, versus when it's dead or inanimate, what would you say? Growth, movement, uh, things like that. And so I'm talking, we're talking about trees that move and grow and produce fruit. And so bear with me here. Let's think about the trees like in the, the, the ants, ants, trees and the Lord of the Rings that uh, live in the forest and uh, at certain times they would wake up and they would go marching along to do great things in behalf of the good guys when they got everything straightened out. But uh, we're, let's, let's think about ourselves as being trees like that. And God is calling on us to, to go to a place where by the way, if you think that's such a far-out analogy, what about Peter's analogy that we're living stones? How many of you have ever seen a living stone? Even, a, even in the movies, the stones don't march around and do things. But uh, the, we're living stones, we're living trees, and so it's, it's almost like we're going to, as trees, go to a place where we can bear fruit for the Lord. And we're carrying our little bitty children trees with us, and we get to the sidewalk. And what have we always told our children to do when we get to a roadside and we're wanting to cross the road over into the fertile ground where we can bear fruit? Look to the left, look to the right, look back to the left, and then cross the street, right? Okay, it's far out, I understand. But let's do, let's, let's think about that. I'm going to say that based on Colossians chapter 3, the first few verses, that Paul wants us to have a three-way look as we go into this place of fruit bearing. He wants us to look to the left as we look to the past. He wants us to look right straight ahead in our present. And he wants us to look to the right, which would be for us to look ahead. Now, the whole thing about this is to help us in our fruit bearing. So if you're trying to remember the points of the sermon, they're going to be really, really simple this afternoon. Look to the left, to the past. Look to the center, the present. And look to the right, to the future, in order to increase our fruit bearing. So look what Paul says here. First of all, look to the past. I, Paul says, want you to understand that you are to bear fruit and you will bear fruit if you are risen with Christ. Now that phrase, that little preposition, if there, could easily be translated since. Since you are risen with Christ. Do these things. Uh, so, so when did Christ rise from the dead? In our past, right? 
So for us to bear fruit, Paul is calling on us to recognize a fact as God sees it. This is where faith comes in. We cannot tell, just by looking at one another, or examining how we feel moment by moment, or how our interpersonal relationships are going, or how our kids are behaving. We cannot tell in any way like that that we are risen with Christ. The only way that we can declare ourselves to be risen with Christ is by faith in what God says. Now, how is it that I would know whether I am risen with Christ or not? How would I know if I am partaking of this reality as God sees it? Well, I would have to say I would look for the marks of those that are alive with Christ. And I would have to say, am I a believer in Christ? Is He my trust, my hope, my salvation? Have I, as a response to that faith and to the preaching of the gospel, have I submitted myself in baptism as a follower of Christ? Have I declared publicly that I am dead with Christ and I have risen with Him in order to walk in newness of life. Now a person that says, well, I'm a dry land Baptist. I have faith, and I've known some of these. I have faith. I believe Christ is um, the Lord. I believe that He is the Savior, the Messiah. And I believe I should be in the church. In fact, I come to church, but I just don't feel like I'm worthy of being baptized. That is a very dangerous position to be in because the commandment of God to us is to repent and be baptized. And if we are not willing to do that publicly, then it's not a good sign. And then uh, Paul says in this letter to the Colossians, and this is something that we struggle with doctrinally in our doctrine of perseverance of the saints. But listen, Paul says in this letter to the Colossians that you are made partakers of Christ if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of glory in Christ. Now, so somebody says, well, what if this person X was here for a while and they left and they didn't continue in faith? They didn't continue in the house of God. They left. What are we to say about that? Are we to change our doctrine of perseverance and preservation of the saints? No. We're to say that they are not being made partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light because they were never truly of us, as John says in 1 John. So these marks tell us that we are risen with Christ. Now this state of being risen with Christ is a fulfillment of what Isaiah prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 26. When God told Isaiah 
that the dead men in Israel would live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. This is Isaiah 26, 19. He says to those that are with the dead body of Christ risen, he says to them, Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of the herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. So that promise of the coming of the day when there would be a people that would rise with the dead body of God, as it were, which we now know to be Christ, is a promise that has now been fulfilled in Paul's day and in our day. And look with me, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened or made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kingdom toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, here's the thing about this being risen with Christ. It's by faith, and we can't see it, but it has visible results. Walking in resurrection life does not mean that we um, don't have any visible results. So we go to places like Romans 6 that we, were, that we read this morning. The, the, chap, the uh, chapter that talks about us being dead and separated from our former husband and all that kind of thing by death. We're baptized. In Romans 7, there's this struggle with, the, with sanctification. And then in Romans 8, here's what it, Paul says. There's no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus that are resurrected with him, that walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And he goes on to talk about that the righteousness of the law in verse 4 is fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And even in Colossians, uh, the letter that we're spending most of our time in, in Colossians chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 16, Paul says that we're not to judge, be, let a man, any man judge us in meat or drink in respect of an holy day of the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come but the bodies of Christ. Let no man beguile you in your reward uh, of, of your reward and the voluntary humility, worshiping angels, intruding to those things which he hath not seen, finally puffed up by his fleshly mind. Because, in verse 20, you're dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. So why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? So what I'm saying is this. The fact that we're dead to, with Christ and that we're risen with him is not something that we can see except by faith. But the fact that we are has visible results because we don't allow somebody to beguile us like this is saying. And we produce the fruit of righteousness according that the law demanded according to Romans chapter 8 and many other places. Now let me say this. Um, 
Paul says in Ephesians where we read that this fruit that is produced in us by the Spirit is the display in the ages to come of God's kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So God has a purpose in producing these fruit in us. And it's a cosmic purpose. It's an incredible purpose. Remember that I said that you are trees walking. You, you are in a fertile place and you're producing fruit if you're risen with Christ. Well, John in the book of Revelation in chapter 20, verses 5 and 6, talks about a river that's in the new heavens and new earth, and it's the river of the water of life, and it has trees planted on either side. Now, who are those trees? What do the trees represent? If not, the people of God. And so you're bearing fruit as the people of God. What kind of fruit? Love, joy, peace, meekness, self-control, all of those wonderful things. You're able to live together with other Christians in families, in a church. And as far as it's possible, you live peaceably with all men. Sometimes it's not, it's just absolutely not possible, but that's the, that's the way Christians live. And so what is the purpose of God in you individually and us collectively producing this fruit to display the glory of God in all in these ages that are coming and also as fruit-bearing trees the purpose is that the leaves of those trees would be for the healing of the nations. Now I know a lot of different interpretations about that and what that signifies and all that. But there are nations that need to be healed. And the way we are as Christians should view our role in the healing of those nations is not by going out and taking over governments. It's not by revolution. It's nothing to do with carnal weapons. But the way, our, the way we see ourselves taking over and conquering the nations and healing the nations is simply by us being what we're supposed to be. Christians that bear fruit collectively and together. And that will have its effect. That will have eventually its intended effect through the power of God. So we look backwards. Uh, we look at being risen with Christ and we tell ourselves that. We think about it. We meditate upon it, and a lot of our fears drop away. Our preoccupation with our temporal problems, even our interpersonal problems, our challenges of, of all sorts in our lives fade into insignificance because we are looking at the fact, hey, we're risen with Christ. There's something big he's doing with me. I'm seated with him in heaven. And so the fear of man tends to subside because we have a, an eternal perspective looking in the past at what God has done for us.
And then we look at the present. We look at our, our present according to these, uh, these verses and these words here. What does Paul say about us here in the present? Well, we're looking at the past. We're risen with Christ. What does he say now? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Now listen. Seek is an active verb. I didn't hear anybody say amen. Seek is not... Listen. To be filled with the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. But that does not mean, dearly beloved, that we sit idly by, waiting for some experience in the Spirit, so that we can finally start bearing the fruit of the Spirit. We bear the fruit of the Spirit, and that involves seeking. Seeking. Things that are above us looking. Look, what did Jesus say when he was talking about life in the kingdom? Brother Matt, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't remember if he's gotten to this or not. I don't think he has, has he? Seek first the kingdom of God. He will talk to us about it. So life in the kingdom of God is not us passively Walking down through life's corridors, not walking, I wouldn't, just maybe sitting there. Or if you're talking about a stream, like a dead fish, floating down the stream. That's not what the picture is. If we're going to bear fruit of the Spirit, we're going to be seeking something. It's like, it's the same word as where the two women went to the tomb of Christ to seek his body. It's like the messengers from, from Cornelius that were sent to seek Peter. Look for him, diligently seek him out. Find him, bring him here. Well, that's the word. And, and so, as we look at we're risen with Christ, the admonition toward the, the increase, encourages our fruit bearing and, and produces fruit bearing is for us to actively seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So many of us are looking for something that God is going to zap us. I'm going to pray the super prayer someday. Or I'm going to have this experience. And I've heard uh, preachers in my former years out here, preachers talk about their experience and they were out plowing behind a horse and, you know, the supernatural vision, it was like a light or a voice or something happened to them and they just were never the same from that point forward. I'm afraid that that's not going to happen to most of us. And I think God's ordinary means of producing fruit is for us to be obedient to this commandment. To seek the kingdom. To seek Christ. To seek fellowship with God. And he says, listen, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Now somebody says, well, 
you know, I can't help who I love and I can't help what I like and and I'm just who I am and you know, I've got a bad temper, my father had a bad temper, my grandfather had a bad temper, I just have a bad temper. And I, I'm 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 the way I am by genetics, I'm the way I am because of my environment, I'm the way I I, I can't help the way I am. That's not the way the Bible depicts us. We have been given the Spirit of God. We've been risen with Christ. And and the Lord tells us, seek the things that are above. Actively pursue them. Set your affection. Change the things that that give you pleasure. Uh, Develop new tastes. Um, We were somewhere eating recently uh, at a restaurant where you walk up to the counter to order and uh, we said, well, how do you have your some certain dish? And they said, well, we fry it or we fry it or we deep fry it. You know, it's just, and they said, well, I said, that's, that's not healthy. And they said, well, you're in the South, you know, <laughs> and uh, what do you want to drink? And I said, water. And she said, you don't want sweet tea? And I uh, <laughs> You know, we have to change the palate. If we're going to be healthier in what we eat, we have to change the things that we like. And it's the same way about spiritual fruit bearing. If we're going to bear fruit, we can't bear more fruit tomorrow by liking the same things that we like now. We have to change our palate, our spiritual palate. And uh, and set our affections more on things that are above. Jesus said, you're from beneath, and that's what we are naturally. He said, I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. And he was drawing the contrast between himself and the unsaved reprobates among the Jews, the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, So the proverb in Proverbs 15.24 says, the way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. What did Jesus say about our treasures, where our treasures should be? He says, if your treasures are on earth, moth and rust are going to corrupt, thieves are going to break through to steal. He said, put your treasures in heaven. Let that be where your repository is, your savings account is. And uh, that's right after that is when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Um, so we're talking about eternal things. Now, listen. What, what does it mean for us to seek things that are above? Well, we have to do that with understanding. Seeking things above is not just me going into a prayer corner somewhere and just thinking about Jesus up there beside God and and uh, the angels flying around and the cherubim and all the saints that are up there praising the Lord. That's wonderful to think about that, and that's good. That's good as far as it goes. But But seeking things that are above is much more than just thinking about Things that are in heaven that we can't see. Now, 
I wish we could make this connection. Seeking things above is praying prayers like Jesus taught us to pray when he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, reverence be your name, honored be your name, visibly, manifestly, and in history. And specifically in my life, in my family's life, in my church's life, in my nation's life. Let your name be reverenced in space and time. Further, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many people in heaven are disquieted and uneasy because they don't have money? or because they are afraid of the future, or because they don't uh, get along with their neighbor. How many spousal arguments are there in heaven? How many disobedient children are there in heaven? Well, none. And so, seeking the kingdom of heaven... And that God means that we're trying to implement on earth, in our lives, in our jobs, in our relationships. We're trying to implement what is ideally present in heaven. I mean, we're trying to make it happen right here in history. We're trying to flee youthful lusts. We're trying to be humble and learn how to be all these wonderful things that we describe as the fruit of the Spirit. That's what seeking the kingdom of heaven is. It's very tangible and it's very real. It's using the money we get wisely. It's doing whatever we have to do, find to do that the Lord gives us to do with all of our might and for His honor and glory. And so God wants us to, to when, he, when he talks about seeking those things that are above, it's not just, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven. I, I wish God would hurry up and let me go there. It's much more tangible than that. It's, it's well, let me get along better with my wife. It's let me obey my parents. Let me raise up my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's, uh, it's helped me, Lord, to, to know what's best for our assembly and for our church. What should I be doing with my time? That's seeking things that are above. Now, uh, somebody, you know, I was thankful to have somebody mention Psalm 110. This all plays together. And you know, my mantra about Psalm 110 is the most often quoted passage in the New Testament from the Old Testament. Why? Because it's, it's, it's central to the message of life in the New Covenant. We, we seek things that are above believing that Christ is sitting on the right hand of God waiting and expecting till all of His enemies are made His footstool. What does that mean? That means His armies on earth are employing spiritual weapons to defeat their enemies to a greater and greater extent. And so we, we seek 
things uh, above with that understanding. Christ is seated, as Mark sixteen nineteen says, that, that the Lord uh, spoke to them and was received up into heaven to sit on the right hand of God. And so we seek to have that manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. So we look ahead, we look behind, and we say, I was resurrected with Christ. I'm seated with him in heaven. We look today and we say, what's my duty today? My duty today is to seek the things that are above and is to set my affections on things above, not on things on the earth for their own sake. And then we look to the right. We look to the future, Paul says, as we think about our fruit bearing. He says, for you're dead, in verse 3, Colossians 3, 3, you're dead, your life is here with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life? Christ, who is our life? When he shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. I tell you, I, I think sometimes if, if we just really believe these things, we would just shout. We would just, it would just, it'd be, I'm here a few short years. The days of my pilgrimage are short. The night's coming when I can't serve the Lord. What beyond that? What beyond that? Well, when Christ appears, I'm going to appear with him in glory. Now, what does that do for us? It gives us, uh, again, an eternal perspective. My conversation is not on earth. My citizenship is not. I'm thankful to be a United States citizen. But you know what? I'm really a citizen of heaven. That's where my home is. And my, my conversation is in heaven. It's from there that I look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Won't have to go to Weight Watchers anymore. Won't have to worry about being in shape. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, and that it be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things to himself. Uh, I, I look at what's coming, and I look at the, the, the Lord Jesus and the way he is, and I say, that's the way I'm going to be one day, and that has an impact on the way I live my life today. Turn with me, if you would, to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. When will you ever be satisfied? Job said, 
that he would be satisfied when he awakes in the likeness of his Savior. When he awakes in the likeness of Christ. And so even though we're seeking to grow in grace, we're seeking to bear more fruit to the glory of God, we understand that there's something in the future that, uh, that we're looking forward to. And that prospect that we have of the future of when Christ shall come and change our bodies and make us complete and satisfy us totally, that has an effect on how we produce fruit today. It should reduce a lot of anxiety. It should have us look at something we want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom of uh, my Father. And we should be confident. Listen, this is the Father's will, Jesus said in John six thirty nine and 40. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. Now, Paul was very concerned about us increasing in bearing a fruit. Godly, delicious, beautiful, luscious, pleasing fruit to God and to other fruit bearers. And uh, how are we going to do that? We're going to look behind. I'm risen with Christ. We're going to look at what that means for me today. I'm going to seek things that are above. I want to set my affection on things above and not on things on the earth. And what am I going to do about the future? I'm going to remember that when Christ, who is our life, appears, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I pray that you would bless the words that Paul gave us and that we've read from various parts of Scripture sink deep into our hearts. And we pray that you would bless us to bear much fruit to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.